0: Hey there, it's Hunter, and welcome to Throwback Thursday. Most Thursdays, we are going to re-release one of my favorite episodes from the archives. So unless you're a longtime listener of the show, there's a good chance you haven't heard this one yet. And even if you had, chances are that you are going to get something new listening to it this time around.
1: When you do make mistakes, it's actually an opportunity to acknowledge that your imperfection can actually be a point of connection with your daughter because as you respond to yourself she'll see that in the moment and learns from you how to respond and work through when you make mistakes.
0: You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast episode number 336. Today we're talking about mothering your daughter mindfully with Dr. Michelle Deering. Welcome to the Mindful Parenting Podcast. Here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Parenting, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark-Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 25 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting course, and I'm the author of the international bestseller, Raising Good Humans. And now raising good humans every day. 50 simple ways to press pause, stay present, and connect with your kids. Hey, welcome. I am so glad you are here today for this important episode. But listen, if you haven't done so yet, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you've gotten value from this podcast, if you've ever gotten value, please do me a favor and just go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. It really just helps the podcast grow more. It will take 30 seconds, and I greatly, greatly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. In just a moment, I'm going to be talking to Dr. Michelle Deering, who believes that every mother and daughter should have a thriving, loving relationship. And she has a very refreshing approach. She's a sought-after speaker, an online educator, and a consultant. Before running her consulting business, Michelle served as a licensed psychologist and board-certified sports psychologist at a Big Ten university, Fortune 500 corporate trainer, and higher education professional. Nowadays, you'll find her speaking at conferences, training for her next Spartan sprint race, and practicing rudiments on her drum kit, all while coaching serving clients and recording her podcast, Mother Daughter Connections. And I'm so excited to talk to her. You could also hear me on her podcast, Mother Daughter Connections. We we talked to each other. We really had such a great time. And what we're going to talk about today is the mother-daughter relationship and how it really comes with its fair share of unique challenges. So if you are a mother and you have a daughter, this is for you. There's some complexity to, in this relationship, and we're going to talk about how we can best navigate the challenges while appreciating that unique bond that really comes with raising a daughter. So I can't wait for you to join me. Let's dive right in and talk to Dr. Michelle Deering. The April 20th Mindful Parenting Retreat Day is filling up fast. Join me and other parents in Wilmington, Delaware for a day of rest and relaxation, mindfulness and mindful communication practices, and a live podcast too. And my special guest for the live podcast is, drumroll please, Lynetta Willis. You know her from episode 366 and 400. She is a psychologist and sought-after speaker who teaches her triggered to transformed program to struggling parents. Join us and bring a friend to this powerful day-long retreat in Wilmington, Delaware on April 20th, 2024. But hurry, space is limited. Go to mindfulmama mentor.com slash retreat to get your spot now. That's mindfulmama dot com slash retreat. I was just wondered if you could start off this conversation by telling us like what are kind of the some of the special challenges that mothers may have with daughters that that could be different like what makes it different and special
1: yeah it's different and special i like that you actually <laughs> include those two words together um but the the arc of the relationship between a mom and a daughter is different than the one between a mom and a son in that when your child is born and we're going to assume in this case it's your daughter there's uh A connection that's made between the mom looking at cooing at you know responding to the daughter and that your daughter in your arms is now experiencing you as her first female object okay Um, entity outside of herself and what happens is as your daughter develops and she goes into her toddler years we won't cover that goes into her tween years that's where Around that time, tween-teen teen, is when, developmentally, a daughter is now having had, what, 10, 11 years of experiencing you as her mom. She's now getting to a point where her identity is starting to develop, and she has to come to decisions as to whether or not she wants to be like you or not, or what does it mean to her to, here is what femaleness has been modeled to me all this time, is this what I Want to do, and so her process then becomes: How do I identify as myself, my own separate entity outside of my mom? And will my mom be okay with that? Okay, (laughs) and that comes in all shapes and sizes. Whereas with a son, you know, you still have the same, you know, caring and nurturing the way in which you respond to your your child. Say in in the case of him being him, the child being a son. The way in which you respond to him tells him stuff about the outside world, but not about his maleness. Hmm. And so, when he reaches his tween teen years, um, that becomes his identity thing, and and he's looking for what he's going to model himself after. And you know, a mom, you know, depending on again, everyone's different in their take on things. Uh, That's where the struggle begins. But there is more of a definitive separateness. That's, yeah, just that that's just biological. That's just biological. Whereas with a young lady, it's like, wait, you look like me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know if I want to do it exactly like you, ma. <laughs> and yeah. that's where the tussle begins. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, like, my daughters are, you know, basically say, like, evaluating, like, I've got good things i got bad things and from there i've got some i've got some good traits and i have got some bad traits i got some annoying traits i'm no <laughs> we all do <laughs> and so they're like am i you know when i see this thing that maybe they don't like or whatever in me is that part of who, or in in their mom right Is that part of who i am right this is the question they're asking themselves and, or then they want to say i'm not like you In these places, right? Like they want to really make that clear. (laughs) Yeah. And
1: actually uh, one of the things that I tell a lot of my clients and whether it's individual or in groups is I, I, I I let them know that the way in which you as an individual woman, i.e. mom handle the experience of being separate, that is going to Define and inform the way in which you deal with that whole process of your daughter transitioning out of uh, being under your auspices directly (laughs) to being outside of your auspices. And so, um, you know, yeah,
0: hold on, hold on. So, the way I'm dealing with like her separation, like us, like not maybe not having as much input and control and all of those things, you're saying that, say that again, that defines like. that will, that
1: will um, inform and influence how, what's going on on the inside of you. So, so say, for instance, um, you know, if you have a mom, I'm just going to, my brain has been on, on moms of daughters who are athletes lately. And <laughs> so, so say you have a mom who, and I talk about this in my book, what mothers have to tell their daughters, but w- where there is a mom who came to me, her daughter's a gymnast, the mom herself had experiences as a collegiate swimmer, but now here's her daughter as a gymnast. And ways in which the mom had not dealt well with performance
2: mm-hmm.
1: started to seep into how she was reacting to her mm-hmm. daughter's response to her own performance, i.e., the daughter was like, wait, I'm not performing well. I want to go get help, which is how they ended up in my office. And the mother was like, what? I didn't do that. Why are you doing that? How do I know that that's going to work? So that's just an example of how when a daughter starts making decisions that are different than what the mother may Mm -hmm. have thought they should make or the time of when they should have made those decisions, that all plays into it. So that's more of what I'm saying. And actually, can you tell me a little bit how how old your daughters are again?
0: Sure. They're right in your range. 11 <laughs> and 14. <laughs> okay. You're right in the thick
1: of things. Yes.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love
1: yeah, it. Daughter? I love it. Yes, actually, I have uh, twin daughters who are now currently 20, going on 21. Um, and so I do remember... That, that age range, it playing out exactly like how it is. And, and what I found, just speaking as a mom here for a moment, that, is that um, there were many things that I didn't realize were, were, and I hate using the word triggering, but were prompting me to, re- to react a certain way. And that's why I'm all about moms learning how to pause, which is why I really appreciate the work that you do because that it's in that pausing to consider what's going on in your behavior in the moment. That's how you can get your bearings on what's going on inside of you. And like for me, for our daughters, for and even though they're twins, each one was pulling at a different thing in me. And I had to practice how to pause to consider, okay, what's going on in the moment? Not so much to you know, lay blame anywhere. It's all about gaining understanding because it's with understanding that you can then make informed decisions about where, what you do next to what you say next, how you say something next.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't, you can't be a help to anything if you don't really fully understand (laughs) the issue. If you're just on the, on that autopilot, um, Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Twin daughters, that's got to be a really intense experience. Uh, But at least it's great. Like you're you're remembering their birthday.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it's the same birthday. It's the same birthday.
0: No, no birthday blanking for you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting because like I can see my daughters are so different. My relationships with them are so Mm -hmm. different. My 11 year old daughter, she's more similar to my husband um, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, like in the way she thinks actually in her body shape and it sort of anyway, <laughs> her face looks like mine. Like she can open my face ID on the phone, but, um, <laughs> but she, um, you know, she's just like really just logical, you know, want very leadership oriented wants to get things done mm-hmm. and cross things off her list. And my 11 year old is very emotionally intuitive and really can like see how things are affecting other people she's very em- empathetic think, mm-hmm. and my the youngest one also like rides horses the way i did and the oldest one thinks they're disgusting smelling animals you know all this kind <laughs> of thing oh. but uh you know we have we have um uh, we have a lot of places where we do overlap but she i i can see that she's kind of moving into the stage she's like uh, she's seeing that she and her dad share all these treats and she relates to a lot of the things that he does well I don't do so well. Like there's things, a lot of things I don't do so well, and mm-hmm. and she, you know, and so I can feel that pushback from her. And yeah, she, you know, we, and it, and it's interesting. With my youngest daughter, we're kind of more naturally like in sync. We have like like the same humor. Sometimes, you know, at least this is all the way things are like kind of currently, you know, right, right. Um, so it's interesting to kind of see these these different patterns and 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 dynamics playing out.
1: Yeah, I actually I think it's it's and and just so, so that folks know, just because my daughters are twins, they're they're fraternal twins, even though they looked mm. alike when they were younger, but now they don't. um, They are completely different, Um, and so I I chuckle as I'm listening to you recount these similarities because similarly, my oldest twin has the temperament more like my my husband is a bookworm, even though they're both bookworms, but she's really a bookworm, and then. My other daughter, the younger one, is more like temperament like like I am. And so one of the things I encourage moms to really take, take into consideration is that even though there may be differences between you and the daughter that's not like you temperament-wise, it's an opportunity to actually find and define a new uh, common ground for the two mm. of you as opposed to seeing it as oh, there's just nothing we have in common. And so, yeah. you know, that's the way it'll always be and our relationship will be. That saddens me mm. because your daughters are there. You're her mo- their mom for a reason and, and they both need you. They just need you in different ways at different times.
0: Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. You know, some healthy skepticism in my life has served me well. And if you're like that, if you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from about a mile away, you read labels like it's your job, congratulations, you're a skeptic. And Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. I take Ritual's Essentials for Women 18 Plus every single day, morning and at lunch. And I am feeling great. I love this vitamin. Rituals Essentials for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. Plus, Ritual vitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp, and made traceable. They select lower carbon packaging. They prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients and set ambitious climate goals. Plus, Ritual is a female-founded B Corp, which means they are responsible to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's essential for women. 18 plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mindful. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mindful for 25% off.
3: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so Differently Wired kids and the parents like us raising them
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree. Like a relationship with each member of my family, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's a relationship, right? Like exactly. any relationship, it needs, it needs, you know, you need to go out and date. <laughs> <Find that common laughs> exactly. Like, you to exactly. Talk to each other and connect. And that's the glue. Um, yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, there's a little, like a little more challenging to sort of find those like connection points with mm-hmm. the my oldest daughter, we did, um, we went on a, this, I don't want this, this like, <laughs> sorry, dear so now this is like a hunt, huntress therapy, but <laughs> we, uh, we went on a backpack, uh, back country backpacking trip. The first one overnight when she was 11, just the two of us, she really into like nature and this
1: is your oldest.
0: hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like psyched about that. You know, it was great. We had, You know, it was hard, but we had a great time. And, um, and then recently she's had like a medical thing come up where she hasn't been able to walk and it has not been able to hike or she hasn't been able to walk easily. She's not like, um, on crutches or anything, mm-hmm. but anyway, and, mm-hmm. uh, it's, you know, she's that, the, that was like our thing. And I was like, ah, dang it. <laughs> so it's like a little challenging, but I do, I volunteer for different things. You know, I'll, I'll volunteer. I was like the parent who was like, Okay, you want to go on the the scouts ice hike? I'm I'm it I'll go on the hi- ice hike. Like, mm-hmm. let's do the ice hike. So, you know, I think is, is that. I mean, so when we think about the special challenges, those challenges are being like this differentiation, mm-hmm. and there's this like real desire to differentiate, and that is normal, and that makes sense. What are some of the ways that we can? you know, meet these special challenges of this sort of tween and teen time, yeah. maybe um, skillfully and mm-hmm. in a way that that preserves that connection. Or And even what are some things we can do when they're younger? Like, I'd, I'd love to know kind of both. Of, those are two questions I realized. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I'll deal with the older one first. Uh, she's at, you said she's 14. This mm-hmm. is the prime time for, and I hear the earnestness that you have to find activities with her, which are all well and good. But I I encourage you to also consider that it's even more important to have two ears and one mouth, which is <laughs> really doing double time on the listening. And by listening, I just don't mean by your physical ears, but also by your two eyes. Do double listening and half as much talking because She's got a lot of stuff that she's processing. And if she went from, and again, this is my sports psych hat going on. If she's gone from being active to not being able to move around as much, she's got a lot churning on inside. Uh, Between that loss and, you know, all the stuff that she may not be able to participate in, this is a perfect time for y'all to be just you seeing her, acknowledging that she is in a different state. Uh, uh, hearing her, hearing her heart in terms of what emotions are going on inside of her about this change of state. And then understanding, communicating your understanding. And that just means something as simple as, I, I hear you, hun. Because that can be tough. That kind of empathy that will go a long way in laying a groundwork and foundation for, should her situation change and she's able to now resume things, or if her situation doesn't change, or if it stays the same, you know, as she goes through the next part of her high school career and experience. Um, for the younger ones, uh, really, it's about—I mean, remembering remembering that your mom again. If you're if you're talking. About, someone who's younger than the tween years. Okay. I feel a lot of times, and I've noticed with, you know, the clients who come to me, it's almost like they've abdicated their power Mm. as moms. It's like, uh, no, as a mom, you can set ground rules. Yes. As a mom, you can, um, express a preference for how you'd like things done. (laughs) Okay. And follow through on whatever you would think would be an age appropriate consequence for adhering or not adhering to that. Um, I think moms lose sight of that because they haven't paused to consider what's going on inside of them and how they really think and feel about such discipline. And I'm using air quotes, okay? Because uh, that looks different for everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, we in, in mindful parenting, you know, we get um, people sometimes who, you know, it's it it's sort of agnostic as to like exactly where you have those boundaries. But we have a lot of people who are afraid to make boundaries sometimes. And the truth is, is your needs matter. You know, yes. when some a child's behavior is interfering with your needs, like, yeah, you got to have a boundary. And it we don't have to be mean about it. Like we're afraid to be that You know, we don't want to be that harsh, mean parent maybe that we had, but I mean, well, I don't know. When my daughter was two and she didn't want to get dressed in the morning, it was like, all right, well, I'm packing up your clothes and we're going to go to school and I'm giving this baggie to your teacher. <laughs> <laughs> And yes, yes. not really didn't want to get dressed this morning. So here you go. It looks like she has to get dressed to school today. And that was pretty darn embarrassing, I think, for her, even at a young age. And so <laughs> she, she, that was it for that. You know, I mean, like we can have those boundaries as far as like our expectations. Absolutely. I agree. And that makes kids feel cared for, right? To have yes. some yes. boundaries matters.
1: Yes, they need that. that. I mean, their psych research backs that up. Um, ad nauseum, uh, for lack of a better word, I mean it. It just shows that you have to have some kind of structure, uh, because that adds to their sense of safety. And when they have that safe sense of safety, and you're consistent with it as best you can be, then they get a sense of security, which then gives them the foundation for, okay, I know you fed me, so I'm satiated. Now I can actually start looking at the other needs that um, need to be met in terms of relationships, you know, um, activities and things of that nature.
0: Creativity, autonomy, all those different things. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what I'm hearing from you saying is that when they're little, Mm -hmm. yes, like provide all the love and nurturing and, and all that stuff and, you know, boundaries, right? Like Mm -hmm. have, have those boundaries, you know? And, um, so, and then as they get to be the tweens and the teens. Is there so is there more work that like as it, what is the mindset that we as mothers need to kind of go into? I mean, I hear that we we need to recognize our kids are going to differentiate from us from us, but what are the some of the things that we need to recognize within ourselves? Do we have to like look at our own relationship with our own mothers? Like what what is some of the work that we should be kind of considering as our daughters move it get into that little older stage
1: actually that's why one of the reasons why i wrote my book what mothers never tell their daughters it was for that very reason to actually give moms tools in a very conversational tone of the book uh around figuring out how they're thinking and feeling and behaving in response to or sorry in reaction to things that are going on during that transition period because um and parents and men and women do this where they can sometimes think that the the way in which they parented and I'm using air quotes when they were younger works the same and and it's really about giving your kids and your daughters in particular the the foundation of their sense of self so that they can then make decisions about what or learn about what they're good at um, what they want to pursue, what who they want to be later on, where you're not going to react, but mostly respond. And what moms can do to have that mindset is about almost like being a detective and being curious within themselves with regards to, gee, how have I been reacting lately? Mm. And where I think they miss it, which is what I appreciate about your work is What's going on in my body? Because our body is, is, is the storyteller here. If you're tense, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. And my whole thing is pause to consider. I'm tense right now. What's making me tense right now? Um, have I reacted to my daughter or children a certain way? And then realize that you can make a choice to do differently. Not that you'll all of a sudden wake up with the light bulb and say, ah, I, I'm doing this quote-unquote, perfectly, and I'm never going to make mistakes. No, actually, when you do make mistakes, it's, it's, it's actually an opportunity to acknowledge that your imperfection can actually be a point of connection with your daughter because as you respond to yourself, she'll see that in the moment and learns from you how to respond and work through when you make mistakes if we if we if if we continue to like you know uh um kind of pressure ourselves to live up to this what i think is an unattainable standard that society puts out there as to what a good mom is uh you're going you're going to respond to mistakes a certain way and that will just continue the generational cycle of of
0: all that stuff I love what you said right there. Your imperfection can be a point of connection right. with your with your daughter. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful. Like that's what we need to hear, right? Like it's not about just it's not about saying all the perfect right things. No, it's not. You're you're allowed to be human. Right. You're allowed to be make mistakes and then, then that is the truth. Like sometimes that repair process does make you closer than if you didn't have any conflicts. In exactly. the first place. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's it's whenever I've gone out to speak and women, women come up to me afterwards. You know, they're sometimes I'll hear, you know, someone say. Oh, my mother and I had had a really close relationship. And, you know, I'm like, hey, cool beans. Awesome. I'm really happy for you. But I found that if I listen long enough and they keep talking Inevitably, they'll hit upon some part where they were at odds with their mom about something, however mild or whatever. It's all about, as you were alluding to, the repair. Well, has that has that been repaired? Not just in your own heart and mind, Hmm. but with your mom. Whether she, if she's living, great. There's an opportunity there. If she's not, that's okay. Uh, You can still have the conversation in yourself because she's much alive in you in some way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah. I, I believe that as well. Right. Like she's, Mm -hmm. our parents are in us. Mm -hmm. They are within us. Right. Like Mm -hmm. all our ancestors are within us Mm -hmm. in the same way our descendants are in some ways. It's so fascinating. Um, Yeah. It's so interesting. You're making me think about my mom and my mom listens to most of the (laughs) podcast. Hi mom. (laughs) And it's so interesting, you know, I, cause I can, I can remember some instances like, and and I can sort of tell one story about things and I can remember some instances and tell another story about things. And I think that, I mean, do you think that that story we tell, but, but are my overall, I mean, it's funny because sometimes, you know, so I teach, uh, how to, do a loving-kindness meditation and in a loving-kindness meditation you often start or your next you 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 actively send love to somebody who's easy to love Mm -hmm. and um that's that's usually my mom these days like she's just easy to love Mm -hmm. and and um and it's interesting you know because i think if i had depending on the stories you focus on and, and the way you tell those stories to yourself it really frames your relationship. Uh, I mean, do do you see that? I mean, obviously, must in your psychology training, like, do you do you invite people to um, consider alternate um, framing for their stories? Or I, I mean, what what about the sort of like our own relationships with our own mothers and
1: well, yeah? Well, I don't I don't advocate denial.
0: Yeah, no, no, I don't, That was like. A,
1: they're not good.
0: Um, oh no! But- but for instance, for instance, actually, this is a good example. Really great <laughs> book. I'm I'm going to recommend it to you. Strange Situation. Okay. Bethany Saltman. She came on the podcast recently, mm-hmm. and I think that bo- both conversations we released the same the same month. But um, she had a whole story about her mom, about her attachment to her that she had told because of certain things, and then when she discovered that she was securely actually was securely attached to her mom, she started to remember all these other things and, and reframe a story of like, oh, I was reaching out for her. I needed her, you know, rather than I was in a bed. You know, it was interesting to kind of see these sort of different sides of the same story. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm talking about, not denial.
1: Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, actually, um, I mean, that happens in, say, the clinical work that I do um, in the, as a mother-daughter relationship personal trainer, Uh, in the mother-daughter work that I do, I'm all about giving moms tools and strategies to get in tune with what's really going on in their thought about whatever their story is and Mm -hmm. to um, get to a place of accepting it open-handedly so that they can gain an understanding, not just about themselves in the moment, but also about where their mom is or was coming from in the moment
0: or in whatever
1: story and so so like
0: less judge you're you're what you I'm not about here is like less judgment and more curiosity about both themselves and their mothers
1: right i mean we i contend that we judge because we're insecure and so you know i'm not about judging i'm all about folks gaining are gaining an understanding i mean there's this jewish proverb that Talks about, you know, if you have a house, wisdom builds it, but understanding is what furnishes it. And the furnishings in the home that you're creating, I mean, you ever walk into a, you know, house that has no furniture, it's kind of stark and cool. <laughs> <laughs> but when you, for way, when you get furniture in there, then there are cozy places. Then there are places that, you know, bring up good memories. There are places that may not bring up good memories, but uh, that you can at least objectively look at them mm. open-handedly to say, okay, well, what was going on? How do I really feel? And I find that um, women and guys do it differently, but women have a hard time sometimes uh, admitting how they really feel because of all mm. the pressures that are put on them from, and then all the busyness, you know, we as moms, especially uh, moms, but just women in general have to put, you know, deal with both, you know, Personally and professionally. So we're balancing all of that. So it's really hard for moms to pause, which is why that's my big thing. You need to pause to consider your behavior.
0: You and I are very much aligned. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. That's I, I really I'm excited to be here. Yes. Yes.
0: Michelle, this is so fascinating. Um and it and you're really advocating like a mindful relationship, right? Like mm-hmm. Um, really being not reactive, really trying to step back and see the big picture and understand and be curious. I love that. I love that so much. What what made you want to work with mothers and daughters? Like what was the the driving force behind that?
1: Wow. Um, it wasn't something that when I went into my doctoral program that I was looking to do. Actually, I was more, I studied more the transitions of teenagers from high school to college. That was what my dissertation was on because uh, that was on my heart from uh, a corporate fi- fortune 500 company that I worked for it was an experience I had there with a young lad who I was like, whoa, I really want to be able to do something to help hear them transition to college. Um, but after I um, you know was working in a Division one university counseling center, we my family moved from New Jersey to North Carolina and Uh, Being an athlete myself, uh, I, you know, was running Spartan races with my husband and we moved into our house.
0: Spartan races. Oh my God. Our sound editor did like, he works on Spartan races. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yes.
1: So, so you know. Shout out Sam. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So there I am in the new house and uh, had a fluke accident and two hip surgeries later. Found myself as a mom of twin daughters in high school. Really, that was that was one of my big pauses. Okay, where it was sort of like, how am I looking at myself as a mom if I can't move around, if I can't wow. be in step with my daughters, and and so receive hard. and receive help? <laughs> okay, because I'm not Superwoman. What? Um, and so as I was convalescing, I had I, the thought occurred to me you know, well, what's really on my heart? And I and the reason why that thought occurred to me is because in the cul-de-sac where we were living, we had a lot of younger moms who had daughters and sons, but I was noticing that they were interacting with their daughters differently. And this was just like as a, you know, civilian, just living out there. Yeah. And they would talk to me all the time. And I kept thinking, yeah, they're asking me the same questions all the time. They don't notice that how they're interacting with their daughters differently. I'd like to help more moms. And so- what was on my heart was to write my book. And because I always said, you know, when I was younger, I'll write a book one day, but I don't want to write anything if I don't have anything to say. And what was really on my heart was I really didn't want moms to make the same mistake that, or, or have their daughters experience the same thing that I experienced as a daughter of a single mom who had all the pressures and just didn't know how to be there be there for me emotionally um, because she was dealing with everything else that she had to deal with. So I wanted to kind of help change the trajectory of the next generation by helping moms be comfortable having those conversations with their daughters. Um, mm-hmm. And I was finding that their discomfort was because they themselves hadn't paused to consider, well, why is it, what is it that's making me uncomfortable about this? Um, mm-hmm. And so the book uh, is really Sort of like a conversation with if you were to go with me to Starbucks and we're just having a conversation. That's how the book is written, where I'm telling you stories about my life as a daughter of a single mom, then my life as the mom of twin daughters. And then at the end of each chapter, I put on my psych hat and start asking, well, what did you notice? And then Hmm. that's in the first part of the book. In the second part of the book, I'm like, well, this is this is the process that will kind of help you just start the journey. And then I give tools and strategies in the book around how to have those uh, conversations with your daughter.
0: I love that. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcast right after this break. What did you want for your, from your mom that she wasn't able to give you?
1: I wanted her to see me. I always felt like um, she was living through me and, and, and that if I didn't meet that expectation of being or, or acting or appearing the way that she wanted, then I wasn't good enough, um, that I'd missed the mark. And so the way I dealt with that as a, I mean, again, I loved my mom and our relationship, even though it wasn't close when I was growing up, um, when I actually got engaged to get married and we started the whole repair process. And so, um, you know, I can say that, you know, we ended up having a, a better relationship. But one of the things, ways in which I dealt with her criticisms, She's very critical. It was a Jamaican household, you know, uh, King's English, you know, everything prim and proper, you know, being seen and not heard <laughs> kind of stuff. And when we do call you, you need to perform kind of stuff. So the way in which I dealt with that was to just throw myself into my academics because that was something I was good at. No one could complain about it. I was a straight-A student all the way up through, you know, my education. and um, And I was also a really good athlete because athletics, um, sports was the first place where I got validation about anything that I was good at. Mm. And so, you know, I hung out with the dudes, <laughs> you know, we played football and basketball and baseball and I ended up uh, being a varsity athlete in softball and then a walk on in college at Brown. But mm. I, um, that's the way I dealt with it. And then, yeah, and then I ended up, uh, you know, having those different light bulb moments that twenty something year olds thirty something year olds have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. That's um I mean, you know, it's interesting because we can look back at those things and say, you know, we understand like where our parents are coming from. Like we can mm-hmm. explore that and understand that and still say, and yeah, and I this is how I felt through that, right? And and mm-hmm. and these are the needs that I didn't have met around mm-hmm. that. Um yeah, I think that's really helpful to kind of look at that and see that yeah i had a similar experience actually like with my dad for a while i was like working as a i went to school for art conservation and then i went to graduate school was like a doing painting and i taught high school art for a while mm-hmm. and then i i had like shows like i was in group shows in new york i was in some pretty cool galleries and stuff nice. like, he's an artist and it, i was like living his dream <laughs> I've pivoted, obviously, and I'm, and I work. Actually, it's some of the same stuff I deal with. That I my best work is about mothers, and and uh, they're like pregnant beast women. They're like, <laughs> like angry, like predator beast women. <laughs> and, and anyway, oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like it's so interesting because I felt so like, you know, it's like there was so much like excitement and pride and everything. And now that it's like. <laughs> He hasn't quite read the whole book yet. You know, it's been <laughs> out for like three years. I'm like, slow down. Oh dead. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love my dad. He's amazing. He's mm-hmm. a great guy. He he struggles in a lot of ways. That's amazing. But um, and you went to Brown, that's amazing. Right? Yes. Brown yes. University. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I one of my first boyfriends was a college freshman at Brown when I was a, a high school. Oh god. Anyway, he was <laughs> great. Jesus a side <laughs> He, like, he, he, like, he took, he gave me my first Ani DeFranco album, which was like a tape at that point, puddle right, on right. It. It had a, has a song on it about getting your period. He took me to see Wilma Mankiller, like, you know, chief of the like Cherokee Nation speak at Brown. It was like a contact improv dancer. I was like, wow, this is so different from the local boys. i <laughs> <laughs> Brown's got uh, its own like yes. special little world there. Yes, oh, it Brown.
1: does. Yes, it does. It's a great place.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So one thing I wanted to though pick up on, which I imagine there might the listener might be like being like, but what happened there? When you were in that cul-de-sac mm-hmm. for the parents of the young kids, what were the mistakes you were seeing? Like you were seeing this like kind of lack of reflection, right? This lack of self-awareness. That's clear. Like that's definitely the underlying key there. But what what was happening in the kind of surface conversations that you're seeing?
1: Yeah, it was it was the way in which they spoke about their daughters. Um as opposed to the way they spoke about their sons. with their sons, okay, they'd go rumble tussle or maybe do something they weren't supposed to do and it'd be like, Oh, he is that, you know, you know, it's he's just being a boy. Whereas with their daughters, it was more like yeah, she's just a little little prissy, da 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 da. I, it, you know, just like mm-hmm. it was more judgment. Like, you're saying, yeah, more judgmental. Um, not as uh, gracious towards their daughters. And the the thing that would um, pain my heart was what they weren't picking up on is they would be say the moms would just be around each other, right? And the daughters are off whatever, and they would talk about their daughters that way, but they wouldn't see how it would. Um influence their interactions with their daughters when the daughters would come running back up to where they were. That's the part where we're sort of like, you don't see how the comment you just made there, actually, she didn't hear the comment, but the way in which you're interacting with her now is reflecting that comment that she wasn't even aware of that she said. Um, And again, it's not like the mothers were out there purposing to do this. This is just what they were doing. Okay, Um, and again, I'm not saying I'm not pointing fingers or laying blame. It was them not understanding what was going on, because then they'd come to me knowing what I did for a living back then when I was doing therapy mostly. um, And they would, you know, ask me, you know, what should I do about X, Y and Z? And I would just pause and it's like, well, first, you need to come to my office to answer that fully. But, um, you know, you might want to consider this, that and the other thing. Uh, not knowing that they were, you know, perpetuating cycles of things that they were complaining about.
0: You're really talking about the problem with like a lack of a lack of aware- self awareness and just kind of perpetuating kind of things in, in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, I, I I feel very un. I always felt very uncomfortable with like the way we parent boys and girls really differently, mm-hmm. and the the conversations that would come up. Oh, boys, this and 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 I felt. A little frustrated and comfortable with that, you know. And but it's interesting because I could see some of the ways those parts of culture that culture influenced me. Like when my oldest daughter, who you know, at, at, in another era, not too long ago, she would have been called B O S S Y as a kid. <laughs> right? Like that would have, that would have been given to her. That label would have given given to her a lot. And I could see my like kind of i could see that coming up in me and i, I was like oh i'm like well she has leadership potential baby. you know and, and the truth is and the truth is she does have leadership potential she's going to be a a eagle scout now like she is the leader of her all girls boy scout troop right like and 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 that is something that's incredibly positive for mm-hmm. her you know it's mm-hmm. so interesting though that the I don't know the way these kind of stereotypes and habits and have energies from our culture can really just come up, and we don't, if, if unexamined, we're not even realizing it.
1: Yeah, and again, I'm not. It's, this is I'm not about laying blame anywhere. This is really about gaining an understanding because we all, you know, can fall into patterns. It's like I'll never do that, just like my mother did, and then you find yourself like I did with our daughters when they were younger. It's like whoa, I I. I'm repeating a pattern here. I need to, what's going on with me? Let me take a look at that. So that's why I'm all, I sound like a broken record, but really about pausing to consider your behavior. And, um, you know, one uh, quick way to get in tune with that is to really get in tune with your body and what's going on with your body. Um, I just was telling someone earlier today that uh, this year, even though I kind of dabbled in it a little bit, off and on over the years. This year, I just really decided I'm going to do some yoga stretching uh, exercises every day, which I do every morning now, um, just to give myself space to find out what's going on in my body, and I'll just attend to that throughout the day.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really the heart of mindfulness. It's like yes. being in the animate body. There's an a, an incredible book called. Of meaning, oh, dang it, he's going to be on the podcast soon. <laughs> so, I like, mess up, man. Uh, um, that I'm so excited about. But he talks about this idea of the conscious mind and the animate body. And I love that the description of like the animate body. And that really is what mindfulness is about it's like being in our practicing to be in our animate body. And yoga is so great,
4: so yes, good
0: for that. So, so yes, for that, yes. Michelle, this is wonderful. I could talk to you for (laughs) I want to come down to North Carolina to your cul-de-sac. We're going to sit outside. (laughs) And
1: have some some sweet tea they have down here. Yes. Have some
0: sweet tea. And a
1: choir taste.
0: Chat for another couple more hours.
1: Yeah, but I'll definitely have you on my podcast too. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that conversation. So we can continue.
0: All right. All right. So this is part one, dear listener. You'll have to go to Michelle's podcast, what Mother Daughter thing. Connections, yeah. to uh, to hear part two. Michelle, thank you so much. I really appreciate this conversation. I appreciate your time and all of those things and and your, your curiosity and your interest that drove you to do this wonderful work um, where people can obviously go listen to Mother Daughter Connections anywhere podcasts are found. Where else can they find out more
3: about you?
1: Uh, they can connect with me at my in my Facebook group, which is at Mother Daughter Connections, the letter F and the letter B, Mother Daughter Connections, FB. I uh, answer the four questions and get in the group and uh, I'm there. And uh, in terms of, um, you know, if they want to learn more about me, my website is www.curativeconnections, which is... Curative, C-U-R-A-T-I-V-E, connections.com. And you can learn all about me there.
0: All right. Awesome. Curative, not the COVID testing site. No. <laughs> Curative
1: no. connections. No. Right, right. You mad it? <laughs> that's funny.
0: For all of us who are so familiar now with that, that's so funny. Um, thank you so much, Michelle. I, I really appreciate it. Um, you okay. uh, I can't wait to come and talk to you more. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you've got a lot out of it. I certainly did as the mother of two daughters. And I think that we can appreciate this incredible relationship. So listen, if you got anything out of this episode, please do this. Just take a screenshot of you listening to it. Share on your Instagram stories. Tag me at mindful mama Mentor, And I want to hear your takeaways. It really means so much to me to to get your takeaways in it and it, it really matters to the podcast too to getting the word out we can we can make these relationships better we can be part of this transformation all these little things really matter getting good good information out into the world <laughs> i know it's a noisy world right there's so much bad information there's there's wrong information all of this stuff so I appreciate any help you can give to get out the information that's healing and helping and helping us move in the right direction. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, take that screenshot. So and tag me at Mindful Mama Mentor. And I'm wishing you a great week. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. You're here all the way to the end. Rock on for you. High five. So cool. And I'm so glad you're here. And I can't wait to talk to you again next week. I have another awesome guest. I have some I hear coaching calls coming up and all kinds of cool things. So I can't wait to see you again here at the Mindful Mama podcast. Thank you. And I'm wishing you a beautiful week. I'm wishing you peace and ease and joy with your family. Take care, my friend. Namaste.